politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, on this day of infamy, January 6th, Wednesday, where all hell is breaking loose in the country. And patriots have gathered in Washington, and we are all wondering where our future lies. Daniel Horowitz back in the house today. And actually, you might hear there's a little bit of a spring in my voice. I'm actually not that gloomy. I know people that are very down and they think we are entering a period of darkness will be, hey, Daniel, what's up with you today? Well, look, I'm always the prophet of doom and gloom. So I figure today I'll offer a little bit of hope because, frankly, I really do believe there is a lot to be hopeful for. And some of you might anticipate what I'm going to say, but I really think this is a take, a perspective that you're not going to hear elsewhere. And it's not just retrospectively just commentating on what has happened, but it really offers a vision for the future. But of course, we have to understand how we first got here, why they lost in Georgia, what led up to this, what it means for the Democrats now, which would actually surprise you, and the opportunities it opens up for the future. The biggest difference between those of us here and elsewhere in conservative talk, Republican politics, obviously I'm, I'm an independent conservative, so that's one big difference. But they believe that the event that happened last night and really the whole election in totality was akin to plowing up green grass. So it's a, it's a travesty. It's terrible. Whereas to me, the grass died a long time ago. We've already been in that dark period. We already had to replant, except we had dead grass blocking our way. And the longer it blocks our way, the longer it will take to do what inevitably had to be done anyway. I never encouraged people not to vote in Georgia. Probably personally, if I were there, I might have even voted for them as much as I hate those two Republicans and what they stand for. But as I noted the whole time, it didn't really matter. And hopefully now that it's inevitable anyway, some of you will be willing to hear this because we have no choice anyway but to look at what I think is not just grasping at straws and silver silver linings, but I think is actually on net a better outcome, even if I myself might not have voted for it. But once this outcome is upon us, we are in a much better place than we were even in 2009 when a couple of months later we had the Tea Party and had a great year a year and a half later. There's a lot out there, but we can't make the same mistakes of the past. And that begins, by the way, folks, with organizing patriots together. Whatever we do is going to take organization. There's no shortcut. We're all going to look for a big leader, whether it's the continuing you know, hope in Trump or someone new, someone else. It's not one person. Do Democrats have one leader now? Not really. I mean, Biden's not their leader. They have an entire movement. That's what we need to build. We need to build it from scratch. Rick Green at constitutioncoach.com, a sponsor of this show, is one such movement. They are hosting a constitutional defense training class at Front Sight Nevada. They also do constitutional training in 
Philadelphia at the um, the site of where the Constitution was actually signed. I think they might do that this summer. But this event's going to be in February, February 7th. That week, they're going to have three- and five-day trainings. I'm going to be there for the three-day training. Go to constitutioncoach.com, and you could sign up, see all the details, 90% off the typical front site defense training. You'll be able to shoot together, organize together. You'll be able to meet fellow patriots from this show and elsewhere. And more than ever, now is the time to organize. So again, constitutioncoach.com is where you guys could have a great vacation, get your defense training, start to organize individual Minutemen Liberty groups at a county and state level, and we're going to talk about that more in the coming days. But to go back to where we are, people don't understand that Democrats already controlled everything they're going to control the result of last night is going to give them more liability and actually make it more difficult for them and give us more opportunities to rebuild we first have to understand that politics as i say all the time is an art it's not a myth oh well you know 52 is better than 50 this or that you have to look at a totality of circumstances And the times we live in are really different. Generally speaking, marginally, even with rhino Republicans, there is some utility to having official control of the Senate versus not. And I'm not going to tell you that there is no area in a vacuum, in gross terms, around the edges, where there will be more of a problem for us based on what happened last night. But on net, there are actually so many more opportunities. So why am I different than everyone else? Everyone else, whether they're rhinos or even a lot of conservatives, are like, we are headed into very dark times. And anyone who is a veteran of this program or is just a thinking person should laugh at that thought. We are headed into dark times. What do you mean headed? What the heck has the last year been? See, typically, if you would have told me, oh my gosh, you know, the Democrats might take back all three branches one day. You know what the Democrats might do to you? Imagine if I would have told you two years ago, if the Democrats take back all three branches of government, you will never be able to walk out of your house anywhere and interact with human beings and and do so without a mask on your face. Come on. They might spend a lot. They might raise our taxes. No one's going to do that. This is not North Korea. Well, I got news for you. That has happened under Republican control. That has happened with Trump as president and Pence as vice president in charge of that stupid task force and Republicans in charge of the Senate and Republicans in charge of a lot of states, too, are doing it on a state level. So that's the reality. We have been confronted with the worst spending, the worst dependency on socialism, the worst fascism with corona fascism, the worst anarchy and prison releases, the worst collapse of interior immigration enforcement and border surge. By the way, a new analysis shows 50 more than 50 percent of those who came into the country illegally under Trump remain in the country. So if you look on net, what has resulted 
from the last four years, but the last year in particular, is worse than we could have ever imagined, except Republicans were blamed for it. It was the worst of all. Democrats didn't have to own the blame for it. The disquiet that everyone feels in this country, and legitimately so, whether you're a liberal, a conservative, or anything in between, or different, is real. The country's already has gone to hell in a handbasket. I mean, that's a fact. That has already happened. Except we've been caught in this morass where it's kind of weird because who do you blame? You live in Georgia. Well, Republicans control every statewide office. They have not officially super majorities, but pretty strong and close to super majorities in both houses of the legislature. And they've controlled the trifecta of governance there for 16 years. Trump's president and has been for four years. Republicans have had control of the Senate for four years. They don't have control of the House, but they had control for the first two years. And we got the anarchy in Atlanta, the rioting, the BLM, the debt, the dependency, the voter fraud. Nothing's being done about that. The judicial supremacism. And of course, the corona fascism. It's not quite as bad in Georgia. Kemp hasn't been as bad as other governors, but you know he's allowed most of the key counties to do what they want, so they're pretty bad. So you're feeling pretty disappointed, right? Well, who are you going to blame? Well, it's the Democrats' fault. Well, you might think it is, and you might be right, but it's hard to sell that case to the voters. This is the problem they've been in, enmeshed in. This is the problem we've all been enmeshed in. We literally have Deborah Burks, who is Mike Pence's coronavirus person, going around telling even Democrat states that they need to have stronger restrictions on restaurants than even some Democrats have put on, like in Kentucky, for example. This is what we've been caught in. It's been unsustainable. And last night just cleared that out for us. This is the reality. Democrats control government even when they're not in full control. Because they control the agencies and the courts, which is where they implement things. And by the way, the courts, even after four years of Trump, I think you all appreciate, are still messed up as much as they've ever been. As I warned four or five years ago. And I hate to say it, I was proven right about that. But more importantly, and, and then legislatively, the Republicans are like Democrats. Except they help Democrats pass things that Democrats couldn't pass if they were in charge because they'd be too scared to because they get blamed for it. And Republicans accept the blame for it. Republicans serve as nothing but the loincloth for the Democrats. This is why we've had worse tyranny, worse illegal immigration, and worse corona fascism, certainly, than under Obama. It's not that it's all Trump's fault. It's not necessarily it's a majority of its fault. But it's a mixture of his kind of inconsistency with the even worse Republican establishment. And this has nothing to do with Trump, Trump supporters not turning out to vote. Everyone's making this all about McConnell versus Trump. The reality is there are two indelible facts in our 
body politic that have been true for a generation. And they're true today and they're going to be true in the future if we don't change anything. Long before Trump, Trump could ride off into the sunset in two weeks from now and never be seen again. And these two facts will still be true. Number one, the Democrats are utterly insane and destructive and tyrannical to biblical proportions. And number two, the Republican Party is not an effective check and balance and alternative vision to that behavior. And in fact, if you understand the art, not just the math of the numbers, and look at a totality of circumstances and outcomes over several year periods, you will see they actually enable Democrats to do things they couldn't do on their own. That is a reality. So they control the agencies, they control the courts, Republicans in the, in the legislative bodies actually help them, and executive bodies. And then most importantly, they control the fourth branch of government, if you want to call it that, which is the street, the culture, the private enterprise. That's where they enact everything. That's where they get the mass culture. That's where they get the BLM culture. And we haven't effectively fought back against that. Now, I want to say, just to, as a starting point, one thing we can do on the cultural front is support today's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Think about it. Social media is killing us. The big tech firms. Do you know how they make their money? Do you know they control 90% of the internet searches? One company? They track everything you do on your smartphone. Big tech is more powerful than most countries are because they profit by exploiting your data. If you use ExpressVPN, what you basically do is hide your IP address and it makes it much more difficult for them to track and sell your data and trace you. ExpressVPN Encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers, eavesdroppers, as well as big tech. And folks, it's 100% free. It's, and it's really easy to use. That's the thing I love best about ExpressVPN. You could download it on the app on your phone or computer. Tap one button and you're protected. Actually, my son, who is a tech geek at 10 years old, I mean, he knows much more than I do. He actually found one device I didn't have it on. <laughs> he was like, Daniel, you don't have, <clears throat> I mean, dead, you don't have ExpressVPN. So here's what I want you to do. Stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity, sells it, and basically makes you pay for the rope to hang yourself and promotes cultural Marxism. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to make me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash conservative. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash conservative to get three extra months free. So right now it is totally free. To try out, go to expressvpn.com slash conservative right now to learn more. So the point of this is, you have to understand why we're in, first of all, you have to recognize we are in dark times, even under Republicans, and often precisely because Republicans control. You have to understand how we have gotten to that position. And then you could appreciate why as dark as, as these elections seem, 
it might provide us with a turning point to replant while the Democrats are the ones who are actually going to be pressured and on the ropes. Right now, the Democrats were able to take the Republican stuff. Republicans gave them what they wanted. Every budget bill under this president for four years got unanimous Democrat support, near unanimous support. Even Bernie and and Warren often supported it. And Kamala Harris. They got what they wanted. But they got to blame it on us. So, So, you know... Yes, the Democrat candidates are very radical, but with a certain segment of these suburban voters, it didn't swing. It didn't hit them because at the end of the day, Republicans always talk speculatively. And this is what happened in Georgia about what will happen in the future. He'll defund the police. He'll do this. He's a socialist. But they fail to militate against what they have done now, 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 now. What they're doing now. And show in real time how they would make the lives of people much better in the ways that matter to people. The schooling of their kids. The businesses. I want you to take a listen to this clip from Ron DeSantis on Tucker Carlson, Fox News last night. And ask yourself who talks like this. Take a listen. Well, Tucker, look, I am totally willing to wear the criticism of a badge of honor if it means that my state has a state in which every parent has a right to send their kid to in-person instruction. Everybody has a right to work and a right to pursue their vocations. Every business has a right to operate. And we've done that. We've trusted people. And as you mentioned, you know, our COVID mortality is less than the national average per capita. And on the vaccine front, we were the first state in the country to begin vaccinating citizens, residents of long-term care facilities. And we were the first state in the country to start vaccinating our broader over 65 population. And so we're very proud of leading those efforts. And I think you're going to continue to see a lot of good things. uh, Your guest before mentioned we're partnering with supermarkets even and really uh, papering this across the state. So uh, I'm happy for the criticism because you know what? I don't seek validation by the media. Uh, What I seek is supporting the citizens of my state. And I can tell you, as this pandemic has worn on, the number of times someone has come up to me with tears in their eyes saying, if it wasn't for you, my kid would not be in school and I would not have my job. Thank you. That is why I'm in this job. Name me one Republican who talks like this. Could you imagine if every Republican from Trump to his cabinet members, to the Senate Republicans, to the House Republicans, to the governors, to the state officials would have talked like this for the last six months? The the, the contrast that would have been shown not just to Republican base and Trump supporters, but to suburban voters as well, that they're losing. Could you imagine if 50% of Republicans would talk like that? But it's less than 1%. It's less than 0.1% of elected Republicans who are effective voices against the issue of our time, lockdowns, and suspension of civil liberties, and crushing of business owners, and school children, and the suicide, and the mental health problems. Could you imagine if rational ground were a political party? If we had a political party putting out the reams of information that we put out. And anecdotes 
that speak directly to people. Oh, you're a socialist. And then Republicans vote for socialism. Now, once the Democrats are in power, they're going to get blamed for it. But as long as Republicans are in power, it's a little bit hard to pin the tail on the donkey. Look, you don't have to convince me that we should never vote for people like Warnock. I'm not defending these suburban voters and whoever. But it is what it is. That's human nature. When you are in charge with that power, it's use it or lose it. And you got to be an effective voice, but you got to believe in what you're doing and you have to have a plan. They don't. So they got blamed for everything. Now, there's a mixture of a couple other things that went on too. Republicans have no one to blame but themselves. See, they're talking about, oh, it's Trump's fault for not turning out his voters or like suppressing his voters. But wait a minute. Why do you need Trump to turn out the Trump voters? Why does Mitch McConnell not turn out those voters? Whoops. Because you suck. Because nobody wants you. (laughs) See, that's the dirty little secret. We could talk about Trump's flaws and how he, he could do even better by not turning certain people off, but still galvanizing certain voters. And I think that's possible. But that sure as heck is not going to get done by McConnell Republicans. They're not turning them out. So, and, and, then, and then you have the voting problems. Even if there's no like voter uh, ballot fraud, which, you know, it's not clear what happened last night at the same business with the Democrat counties late in the night, you know, when Purdue was ahead, Leffler seems to have lost cleanly Um, Purdue. It's kind of that same same business. Now, I don't know, but let's just assume there's not a single stolen vote, not one, nothing to audit. But what we know has happened out in the open. Is that. Democrats, because of these feckless Republicans, I've said this all along with election law. I was like, Republicans are feckless. Now, they don't care about being feckless because they don't share our values. But there's one policy issue that if they don't fight back hard enough in the states that they've controlled for 16 years like Georgia, it's really two issues. It's election law and judicial supremacism. They're going to lose their own candidates. And that is this. Over the last decade, Democrats have created a machine with early voting, a month long of voting, plus mail-in ballots, that basically the amount of votes they're able to churn out from the urban areas, you can never overcome that. Well, Daniel, you're, you're saying we're not talking about voter fraud. This is legitimate. You know, these people voted. Are, are, are you saying, are you trying to suppress the vote? Here's the problem. Whoever controls the rules wins the game. And election law is no different from that. Democrats rig it the way they want in in the states they control. Okay? Democrats don't have a right to shape an electorate in a way that speaks kindly of their get-out-the-vote efforts. You know, what if we had... Drop-off boxes at gun ranges and, and codified that into law. That, that's what they're doing. It's not necessarily illegal, although I will say 
early voting really is unconstitutional. And I've done a lot of shows on that and have proven from, you know, congressional debate records in the 1800s. It violates the election day clause of the Constitution. But when you have 50 days of early voting plus mail-ins, which again is really not, I mean, it's, it's against the spirit of the Constitution to have mail-ins as the rule, not the exception. Even if you implement it lawfully, which it hasn't been done in most cases. And Republicans have done nothing to end mail-in ballots. They could have had a special session. They have trifecta control. (laughs) They have no one to blame but themselves. I laugh at it. I said all along, even without hardcore ballot stuffing, you're not going to be able to overcome those numbers from the Atlanta Metro. You're just not. The numbers they are achieving with this 50-day election with mail-ins, they've cracked that code. So they've turned off certain voters needlessly. They haven't brought them back with a forward-looking agenda. They haven't given a section of their base reason enough to turn out. I mean, they haven't given their entire base reason to turn out, but there is a section that's pissed off enough Whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, they're not going to turn out for you. That's your fault for not inspiring them. And then there's also, I mean, I can't tell you what percentage it plays a role, but in general, the reason why Georgia has become so precarious, as many states have, is, I mean, the foreign-born population has grown like sevenfold in the last 25 years. So, you know, that has its effect, and that's also GOP immigration policy. They, the Republicans pay for the rope to hang themselves, not just conservative candidates, but their own milquetoast Republicans. Go eat it. So that's kind of my take on what happened last night in Georgia. But what's important is the here and now and where we go forward. What do I mean when I say that Democrats are actually in a more precarious position? What I mean is this. Democrats have a major problem in that they're the dog that caught the car, except it's worse than that. They're the dog that caught the car on a mountain cliff bridge where they can't quite get into the car. They're holding on to it. And they could easily fall off and die, which is worse than having caught the car. Because then they could just stop and stand on the bridge, not precariously. Now, let me explain my analogy in real time. To begin with, this was true even under Obama. While the country might be brainwashed, and a lot of people are brainwashed, these voters are not where the Democrat Party is, and they don't want that agenda. Okay? I mean, we could talk about this wokeness and suburbia, but it's not really. They've soured on Trump's personality. They've soured on the Republican governance the last four years. They sure as heck don't want what Democrats have to offer. And that's clear in any polling data. It's just, it's a seesaw. That's the alternative and it's going to, pendulum's going to swing to them. This was true even under Obama, except Obama, people did affirmatively vote for him. We knew he was radical, but other people were were confused and fooled 
and he sounded kind of like a fresh new vision, and they voted for him. He was ushered in with 59 seats, what eventually became 60 seats in the Senate, strong majority in the House, and they had much more control in the states than they have today. They had a pretty big mandate, and we had a pretty small window to rebuild. Yet within three months, his radicalism became apparent. The Tea Party grew in the spring. You know, this was um, 11 years ago. 11 years ago. We're repeating that cycle. And Republicans won a stunning victory in 2010. Except, unfortunately, the Tea Party just became the Republican Party, and it became a fraud, which has led to where we are today. And that's, that is really the point that we need to ensure that we don't repeat. But before we get to that step, let me get to the step of how the Democrats are going to be in a precarious situation and thrown out. The question is with who, with whom, and what we're going to replace them with, and how we don't repeat the mistakes. But for now, nobody voted for Biden. It was all against Trump or Republicans. What are they going to do now? Well, Daniel, they have all three branches. Uh, not really. They have all three branches in terms of they're going to have to own it. And this whole blaming us for everything is over with. Go eat it now. Go eat it. Except unlike in 2000, now you might say, well, Daniel, in the meantime, they could pass really bad stuff. Let me show you why politics is an art, not a math. And why, I'm not going to tell you not bad things aren't going to come out of the House, Senate, and, and Biden's not going to sign it. But nothing different than he would have done with a 51-seat GOP majority built on Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and really 30 other rhinos as well to varying degrees. In the House, they have a very narrow majority basically built on the margin of Democrats that voted against Pelosi for speaker and then have to stand for election right away. Abigail Spanberger, Connor Lamb, Connor Lamb, Golden in Maine, there's a couple others, Slatkin in Michigan, I believe. Those are just four off the top of my head. They're going to have, I believe, a six-seat majority with those people. Are they going to be able to vote for like the really bad stuff that everyone's worried about? And then you go over the Senate. It's 50-50 with the VP as the tiebreaker. They have Manchin in West Virginia. They have Sherrod Brown in Ohio that's going to stand for election in a red state in a bad year for Republicans, much less the midterms. Midterms historically, even when Democrats started out with a lot of goodwill under Obama, turned out to be a slaughter. This has been a trend for a generation. Really, historically, Republicans are going to do great in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, all those states they, like they did in 2010, even more so. If they deal with voter fraud, of course. If not, then it will be irrelevant. All of their governors are up in those states, those Dem governors. Dem senators are up. Sherrod Brown. John Tester in Montana. He might, I have to check off the top of my head, and I'm sorry for not preparing this. He might not be up for another two years, but still, he's Montana. 
Then you have the two Arizona senators that are Democrats, but, you know, it's a precarious hold. Then you have Warnock himself in Georgia will be up immediately. Now, he's so radical, he's not going to care, but again, they will lose that seat then. And you won't have Trump as the bogeyman. You'll have all Democrats will have to own the lockdowns and the crime and everything. Whether Republicans properly militate against them or not, they will be blamed. It would, I mean, historically, this has happened. This is a repeat of 2010. Except Democrats don't have a 59C buffer. Do you really think there's much of it? If anything, now it's, hey, Sh- Schumer is like, 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 you know, showing all this bravado. Okay, okay buddy, what are you going to pass? And if you effectively have rallies in these states, in West Virginia and Montana, there's not much these guys could do. They would have to vote to agree to get rid of the filibuster, which would enable everything else. And they're going to have a very hard time doing that, those senators. Again, not that they're real moderates. They're frauds. They're leftists. But, but before now, when Republicans controlled... Or Dems had stronger control, they could they could make pretend, but now they're gonna be on the hot seat. What I'm trying now, the big difference is you're gonna say judicial appointments, but not really. Because the predicate of blocking the premise of blocking Biden's nominees was predicated on Romney, Murkowski, and Collins not losing a single one of those votes. And all but the most radical ones they would have had anyway. And if they're that radical, then we, you know, Manchin's going to have a problem if we properly pressure them and properly organize anyway. There's not really a difference between Manchin and Collins in terms of the political landscape. That's what I'm saying. If anything, Collins makes her hay off of holding a seat in a blue state by thumbing her nose at Republicans. Whereas Manchin's kind of the opposite. He has to pretend the other way. Now he's a fraud, but now he's going to be in a much harder position. Think strategically. I'm not trying... Everyone's like, Daniel, there's never winning by losing. But these factors have... Democrats have never been this radical and have had this slim of a majority, albeit been on the hook for full control. You put that together, they have a very big problem. You look at who's up in the Senate and for governorships next term and compare it to what has happened to them in 2010. They have a major, major problem. They're going to have to own the lockdowns as their own. They're going to have to own the virus as their own now. And then, of course, we get to the states, but... Actually, before I move on to the states, I just want to continue with at, at the federal level. There's a couple of points I want to make. I forgot. Just to go back to the courts. As you well know, we've already lost the courts anyway. If anything, we, we had a big problem now in that what we really need to do is have states just ignore the courts, the federal courts, when they come in. That's part of our whole plan of a sanctuary movement. The red, the courts are going to go after us. But it's kind of hard under Trump because, well, you know, look, McConnell uh, supposedly appointed conservative judges at, at uh, breakna- uh, uh, breathtaking speed. So it looks kind of weird. Like you got what you wanted. 
So now it will be known. The Democrats will get their nominees. But it doesn't make much of, much of a difference because those Federalist Society judges are losers. I mean, that's what we saw. The judiciary is already broken. And already, if Biden is going to be president, he was already going to get like these Merrick Garland type of people, even more radical than him. Well, Daniel, it's not as bad as these other guys. Yeah, but not really. It doesn't make a difference what we see. I'm just telling you the quality of what Biden would have been able to realistically get across is not going to change that much if you understand the dynamic. It's not just a math. Oh, 52 versus 50. It, it, it doesn't work that way. And not that it matters anyway. Um, now, the one way I think we will be harmed a little is perception and how it affects Kavanaugh and maybe even the other so-called conservative justices on the Supreme Court. Meaning, my fear is because Democrats will officially have control, this threat of packing the courts, while it, it like the, for reasons I explained, it's not going to happen. Because again, Democrats don't need to, and that's going to be my next point. They get what they want without these dramatic moves that Republicans warn about. Because why should Democrats suffer the political backlash when they get it for free anyway? And I'm going to explain that. But the point is, I could picture Kavanaugh and these dudes being afraid that the more they issue conservative rulings, the more that threat will loom. And my fear is the one difference of ha of what happened last night is this. It's just that basically when we have these bad lower court rulings that need to be appealed to the Supreme Court. So what are you going to do if you're a so-called conservative justice and you don't want to give a liberal opinion, but you don't want to give a conservative one and risk the backlash from Schumer and whatever? What you're going to do is leave it on the shadow docket. And that's you're just not going to take up the case, which allows bad lower court rulings to stand, which they've already done tremendously. My fear is they'll do it even more. They just won't take up these appeals, won't grant cert to our gun rights groups, you know, when they lose in the lower courts, that type of thing. But again, we've already maxed out. The judiciary is already irremediably broken. We're already past the point that the red states need to tell them to jump in a lake to pound sand if our republic is to survive anyway. So if anything, this will just make it worse, and which in some ways is better. But that's the only thing that I will concede will get worse. They'll be like, well, Daniel, are you saying no bad things will come out of Biden? You're saying they're not really going to be able to pass... Well, I mean, the budget bills are going to be horrendous. They're going to fund all the bad stuff. But they were doing that under Trump. But more importantly, where did Democrats get what they want? In the agencies. They do it with... See, this whole thinking of, Daniel, how could you ever say 52 is not better than 50? That's old thinking. That's when Democrats used to pass things. They don't do that anymore. They implement their stuff in the agencies. And they'll do that anyway. And the courts. Did they pass a law saying transgenderism is the law of the land? No. Neil freaking Gorsuch did it for them at the Supreme Court. And they do it in the agencies. 
And then moreover, they do it in the streets with the intimidation and the violence and the culture and the private sector. That's where we're going to have to fight back in the private sector too. And we need ideas of that. ExpressVPN is one type of idea. Obviously, we're going to need to look for new platforms beyond Facebook and Twitter. We'll probably get kicked off anyway. To have competing businesses where it's known that we're going to patronize businesses that don't make you wear masks and stores like that, that don't support BLM, we're going to have to boycott back to the extent we can. I know it's very hard given the monopoly especially uh, you know, with certain products at certain levels. But that's where it's at. They're going to do that anyway. They'd be stupid to pass a dramatic bill with so much focus on the legislative process. Now you say if they have 60 votes, maybe they'll do it. They have a big buffer. But with this sort of majorities they have in both houses, which aren't even majorities, there's no way they're going to risk doing that. If anything, they would do it even more if Republicans officially got the blame for control of the Senate and responsibility, albeit you have all those rhinos that would have given them this stuff. Now, some of this fake populism like minimum wage and some like, like I'm not, not the Green New Deal and the defund ICE type of thing, but some of that stuff, well, they might, yeah, they might try that legislatively, but they would, would have gotten it you know, had the results from last night gone in a different direction. In terms of cutting ISIS funding while funding transgenderism in the budget, Republicans signed off of that with control of the Senate and Trump as president. Trump signed it. I mean, that's what I'm telling you. And then we get to the states, which is really the gravy. Republicans control more trifectas with greater supermajorities than they did In 2009. And again, it was tough because Republicans had to own lockdown. Trump had to own the virus. So Republican states were kind of going along with it. Burks tried to even pressure them. Now that it's going to be coming from Biden, that's a good thing. Oh my gosh, he's going to have a, a mask mandate. Dude, you have a mask mandate almost everywhere outside of Florida anyway. Now, if anything, they'll be more inclined to push back, but that's where we come in. Republicans at a state level will be just like at a federal level if we don't organize. State legislatures, county governments, township governments, that's where the fight is. Republicans are always much stronger Anyway, and this is where the fight has to be anyway, and they have more power than they've had anyway. So it's actually a very good position to be in. If you want to start new, start fresh, bottom up with better Republicans that ideally ultimately turn into a Patriot Party, this is how you do it. Having a fake rhino Senate would have been a distraction and actually could have harmed us in several ways. And again, even if you disagree with me a couple days ago and still feel you would have rather Republicans win, you can't deny the points I'm making retrospectively now that this has happened. This is the path we're going to have to take. There's a lot of opportunities. Democrats are going to be on the hook. You could win back those voters. 
but you have to inspire the Trump voters and not just the white working class, but but to to maintain and build on some of the inroads in, in certain geographical areas of working class black and Hispanic voters. The biggest issue with them is lockdown. The schooling, the the the, the businesses, the jobs. You got to get to them. This is the opportunity. If you're Texas Republicans now, all those hoity-toity suburban people that didn't like Trump, well, now they're going to have to confront Biden. That's going to be much easier now. But then likewise, all those Hispanic voters that they picked up in the Rio Grande Valley, they could go pedal to the metal on it. They could start by adopting in each and every state a declaration of rights and principles. And then more broadly, by adopting what I wanted to do long before Corona fascism, which was a bill of rights for taxpayers and consumers. Of all the ways government harms taxpayers and consumers. Conservatism in a populist flair, not populism as an end to itself. That could easily work. Easily. That is the opportunity. But what we can, this is going to happen. Trust me, this is Democrats are going to get slaughtered in the next election beyond belief. The question is, and this is really where it comes in, what do they get slaughtered with? Republicans that will come in there and do the same and actually obfuscate the blame and shield them from the blame and repeat the same 10-year cycle we're in except everything gets worse? Or are we finally going to elect more patriots but also be more focused, not just on stupid elections, but take this energy that you have in Washington today with the fight over certification. We'll talk about that tomorrow after it happens. And organize and get in the face of all these Republicans. Right? Republicans have gotten crushed in Georgia, right? Whether it's fair, legally, not legally. Well, in some ways, yes, but... They still have all the statewide offices and they still have large majorities in the state legislature. Something needs to be done with that. Election law, COVID fascism, crime, all this stuff. We're going to keep you free and safe. An agenda that works for suburban voters. It works for white working class voters, for even a nice segment of non-white working class voters. The opportunity is there. But we got to change our focus. So in many ways, like there's nothing we could have done at a federal level. I mean, theoretically, if you have 52 votes in the Senate, if you have 52 conservative Republicans, you could block budget bills. And you have massive fights with Biden and they all get on TV and message and speak to our issues and and you defeat him that way. You run ads against Biden and Tester and Brown and all these people. But they weren't going to do that anyway. <laughs> they didn't do it when they had all three branches. We can have a government shutdown, right? So the reality is this will just force people just, look, there's nothing you can do. Is that surrendering? No. Now you could basically say these states are sanctuaries. We're not doing what you're doing. We're not doing your infringements upon the Bill of Rights in this state. If Democrats were able to create a sanctuary 
for illegal aliens, including MS-13 and, and criminal aliens in uh, California and New York under Trump, then you better believe we're going to create a sanctuary in our counties and our states for Americans, for American rights, for business owners, for school children. That needs to be the message. And now you don't have this just tortured dynamic where we're arguing while Trump's own cabinet and advisors are doing those very things and Republicans are putting out videos promoting masks and things like that. Let it all come from Biden. You know, Biden might do lockdown. He might do masks. We already have that. And we have that in red states under Republicans. This dynamic will actually make it easier and cleaner to fight against. The blue states are lost. The federal level is already lost. The problem is right now we have a 50-state tyranny to varying degrees. I mean, even in Florida, you have a lot of areas where the counties are bad. Only a certain percentage of Republicans in Florida are like DeSantis. A lot of them are the same old, same old. That's got to change. And you know what? There's some signs that at the smaller unit of government, they're getting pressured. The Pennsylvania state legislature is getting the message. The majority leader. See, we never had leadership pushing back against the election fraud. The majority leader signed off on, they say, you know, sent a letter to Pence that we need a Republican slate of electors. Yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw this. The Republicans refuse. They have the majority. They refuse to seat a Democrat Senate candidate based on voter fraud. And then when the lieutenant governor, who's the presiding officer, he's the president of the Senate, objected, they voted to remove him from his seat. That's the way it's done. Finally, there's signs of Republicans standing up in legislatures. We're going to need to focus on this and give attention to this. But it can't just be the cult of Trump and the election. We have to take that, harness that energy, and use it on all the issues. In all the trifecta states, they should pass bills of rights. Pass bills blocking salaries for these people as long as we're shut down. Speak to the forgotten American, business owner, school child. Speak to the mental health crisis. This stuff is very, very much crosses ideological lines once you get to the average person beyond the political class. And then even in the states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, where there's Democrat governors and they don't have the trifecta, they still have pretty strong majorities in the legislature. And it might be not quite where the supermajority level is to override the veto, but that's how you win the governorship and win, pick off more seats in the legislature and crush those Democrats that are sustaining the vetoes of those governors. You make the fight. You lay down the markers on the right issues with the right messaging. And you build a movement to push that at a county level. And you start having Republican counties. You know, even if they don't have the trifecta in Pennsylvania... But along with a strong legislature and along with the overwhelming majority of counties that they do control at a county level. And I happen to know in Pennsylvania, townships are are very strong, very, very strong. They collect most of the property taxes um, you know, because we were looking for property there and, and we found that. And it's true in some other states as well. I mean, like this is a mask free zone. This is a lockdown free zone. We're not doing the Biden stuff here. 
and Trump is no longer this punching bag and foil for these stupid suburban voters. The opportunity is there. The Democrats will get crushed. 2010 will repeat itself. But the question is, will we do so with the right people? Will we do so by solving the issues, not just waving a flag, by ending the lockdowns, by ending voter fraud, by locking up criminals and ending BLM and Antifa's reign of terror on the streets? That's the question. Democrats are not in a good position. But the question is, will the Republicans who are at war with their base continue getting away with this? That is the vision for the future. But we need to get on them. Let me just give you one geographical area to focus on. And I want all patriots in this geographical area to... um, Call it the Ohio River Valley. I mean, it's not exactly the overlaps, but West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. Those four contiguous states. There's a tremendous opportunity there. Those four states have horrible lockdowns. Yet those four states, Republicans have full control. They have trifecta and three out of the four in Kentucky. It's even better in some ways. It's always better being the anti because he's a Dem governor, but Republicans have way over veto-proof majorities. Now look, there's good signs. Republicans do have bills immediately that they're going to pass within a week in Kentucky to limit lockdowns. But if you look at them, they're not my Bill of Rights that militate on the legality and the science behind the premise of lockdown. They cut around the edges. It's like the don't shut down the schools, but obviously mask the kids. Don't fully shut down businesses. Don't shut down the churches. Like They, they, they have these carve-outs. But it, it's got to be stronger. I hate when they cut around the edges on such a vital issue. Some issues, I'll take a half a loaf. Not on an issue like this that's not good enough left to their own devices, even where they have strong control, they're not going to fully utilize it. We need the grassroots focused on, 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 on Kentucky. I mean, Bashir could be owned. Then you look at West Virginia, where you have a fake Republican dirtbag rhino from the pit of hell, Jim Justice, Jim Injustice. But I got news for you. Republicans have super majorities in the legislature. There's no reason... They can't neuter justice. Same thing in Ohio with DeWine. Same thing in Indiana with Holcomb. The issue in those two states is that the governors have, unfortunately have a lot of loyalists and they need to be fought. They need to be pressured. Oh, Daniel, look, there's nothing we can do now. The Democrats, we can't influence anything on a federal level. Okay. Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia. Those are just four states off the top of my head. Go after the governor. Go after these guys. And either you you succeed or it'll be so much pressure, at least they'll lose election. And remember, the primaries are going to come very soon for the next congressional election and next statewide, state legislative and gubernatorial elections. You'd be shocked at how quick they, they come up. It really starts in a few months. And the recruiting starts now. And the pressure starts now. But in West Virginia, Jim Justice was a Democrat who turned, he switched parties. 
So theoretically, there should be less entrenched loyalty from Republican legislators there. That should be a no-brainer. And again, these are the type of things, if you guys will join me in Front Sight Nevada, November 7th. While we're doing shooting and training, we could talk about this. We could have a, a night session. I mean, these are long days. The, the shooting is usually 8 to 5. Um, again, go to constitutioncoach.com. You could check um, the the schedule and just you know what to bring with you and the cost and everything. It's 90% off their normal charge. Um, maybe one day we'll have Rick Green on just to give you guys just the nuts and bolts of what goes on if you're interested in joining me. But these are the type of groups we need to create at Miniman Speak Easy, our Facebook fan page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary is the public page. Maybe we go to, what, what's that website? Mimi, uh, let me know what you think is the best alternative to Facebook. We do plan on switching when we get the chance. But remember, you can't plant greener pa- pastures on top of dead grass. This gave us the opportunity to clear out that d- dead grass. Make a clean play. A clean fight, a clean shot at the Democrats, but with a new slate. And don't think we're down and out. We're not. It's not great in a lot of ways, but in some ways it is. I just showed you four states where we have California or close to California style lockdowns where Republicans should be able to end it overnight. I could go on to Alabama as another one. Tennessee to a certain extent. Arkansas to a certain extent. Missouri to a certain extent. Iowa to a certain extent. These are all trifectas. North Dakota needs to be more like South Dakota. Montana. Wyoming. If we were doing our job, the rhinos in those states would either have to go along with us or they'd be gone within one election cycle. This is so, so achievable. Look, ideally, we should have constitutional governance at a federal level and in all 50 states. But you know what? I'll take 15, 20, 25 states over zero. Those are our marching orders. We have a a historic opportunity. I would say we are not at the precipice of dark days. We are in pitch black dark days. And we have been for quite a while, but really intensifying like the plague of darkness in Egypt to that level the last year. If anything, now we are at a crossroads, not at the precipice of darkness. We're at a crossroads. And that's what I'm saying. All this illegal stuff that Biden's going to promulgate at an executive level, some of it is going to be bad and there's not much we can do about it, especially foreign policy. But the, the majority of things that affect our immediate neighborhood, security, safety, and liberty, if you live in a state that has... GOP control, and really a county that has GOP control to varying degrees, depending on how much, depending where you are, 
if we organize and build a movement, that stuff should be nullified in a second. Won't get off the ground. And if anything, if Biden overplays his hand, it will create even more opposition. That's going to happen. The question is, do we have phony Republicans hijacking that energy? We are going to have a patriot movement. And that's another way we're better off than we were in 2009, as we see with the rally in Washington. We have much more energy to start off with in January 2021 than we did in January 2009. Right, That was 12 years ago. It's unbelievable that it's been 12 years since the Tea Party. The movement, it was the right movement at the right time. The reason it failed is because it got jujitsued into the Republican Party. So it had the wrong objective. It was just throw out Democrats at all costs and elect Republicans. It wasn't elect the right Republicans with the ultimate strategic plan to turn it into a new party and then to have a grassroots to focus at a local level to build up local shops. Because again, it's not just at a federal level. Republicans betrayed us at a local level. It's not like we had Tea Party governors. We never did. And so, and you know, now look, there are, on the bright side, there are more and more good people in state legislatures. They're not in the majority yet, but they easily we could easily get a majority with pressure. There's what to work with. I know my buddy, um, Mark Meckler of Convention of the States. He's been doing this long before anyone else even focused on it because he successfully got, what is it, like 16 states to pass the Convention of States. And, you know, he's got a lot of grassroots there, a lot of legislators to work with. And look, if you just take those states that, that passed the Convention of the States, just there, and we got rid of corona fascism, and we had the right to self-defense, and we had a united front at a state and county level to block Biden's unconstitutional power grabs and tyranny and anarchy. We'd be in a much better place than we were under four years of, of Trump and GOP control. If that's what we make out of it. So, you know, as we head forward... I just want you to know, people think I'm doom and gloom, but I'm not. Steve Dace calls me the prophet of woe and lamentation, but Jeremiah wasn't just, you're all going to go to hell and die. It was, he was laying down markers, opportunities, like it doesn't have to be this way. You could repent and God won't destroy the temple and he won't exile you. That opportunity for revival and repentance is here. It's got to be on a personal level, on a spiritual, religious level, at a grassroots organization level, private sector level. You know, this is where the fight is. You know, the first step is you don't have a statewide mask mandate. That's what DeSantis did. And then you got to fight in the counties. But then also, you know, a lot of people have pointed out, well, even in Florida, a lot of the businesses force it on you anyway. I understand that. But at least we could have businesses that don't do it and that's how you start having competition. People vote with their feet. Right now, the masks came out of the Trump administration. Now, Biden's going to have to own that. That's going to create the, the seesaw pendulum swing that you always have in politics. We always do better 
in the minority. Except what I'm telling you is we're not even in such a minority because we're technically the majority in a good number of states. More states than Democrats are the majority or at least have full control. Some states are divided. And at a federal level, at least at a legislative level, Democrats are in the worst position because it's almost like they have no excuses. So they have to govern and have to pursue their ideas. But uh, which ideas are they going to pursue? Now, again, the answer is they're going to pursue a lot of them executively. But executive orders are a lot easier to get a lot more political capital to fight back in the states and just say, look, that's that's not lawful. and We're not abiding by this. Anyone who is smart would understand that Democrats already had a 90 plus seat majority on most issues in the Senate anyway. That Senate is a cesspool. Okay? Again, you know, I'm not I'm not dissing people who felt that it was worth fighting to win those seats in Georgia. That's fine. But we're on the other side of it now, and that's the reality. And we got to take advantage. You know, in every situation, even if you believe on net it was better one way, but God presents us with opportunities and challenges Sunrises and sunsets every day. We got to limit the liabilities, the damage, the challenges, and fully harness and utilize those opportunities that we're given. And don't look at me and tell me it's all dark relative to the last 12 months anyway. No, there's a lot of good opportunities. There's a lot of good opportunities. See, typically it's like, this has always been the problem. Well, Daniel, I understand. I want to get rid of the Republicans. I want a new party. But how do you deal with that transition where in the meantime, like Democrats will just run roughshod and do and destroy the country? We're actually in the best situation because at a state level, they really don't. I mean, all the states where they have the power, they've destroyed them and they're irrevocable anyway. They're gone anyway. And there's plenty of states where they don't. This is actually a pretty good election loss. Um, and even at a federal level, it, it's it's very muddled. It's very if you look mechanically, they have a lot of problems. They have Senate and House majorities that aren't really even they're like 50-50, and they're built off of people in areas that are very precarious. And again, folks. Part of what Shannon Joy talked about when she talked about local focus and local organization is not that you're ignoring the federal issues. We're not saying to focus on garbage collection at a county level, at a township level. We're saying to focus on crime, BLM, Antifa, lockdowns, COVID fascism, masks, crime, you know, the, the jailbreak, immigration, refugee resettlement policy. The biggest national issues, some of the biggest national issues, just do it at a local level. That builds the fire and it pressures the federal reps. If the legislatures and the counties are going in one direction. In West Virginia, if we go after Jim and Justice like that, Manchin's going to have a lot of problems on his hands. If we do it in Montana with trifecta control, Tester's going to have a lot of problems on his hands. If we do it in Arizona where they still do have <clears throat> trifecta control. 
guess what? They're going to have a lot of problems on their hands. Those two, you know, Mark Kelly and uh, Cinema, they made a lot of promises of being a moderate. Now they're 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 radicals, but they do have a problem there. Sherrod Brown in Ohio, same thing. Now the dudes I think in Georgia are so foregone that it's not going to matter to affect their vote, but it will more easily at least kick them out, or at least Warnock out in 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 two years from now. He's up again. In other words, what I'm trying to say is you can't just say, oh, Daniel, look, look what happened. Now we have no power. Now, now there's nothing we can do. It's not true. They have much bigger majorities in all those states I just mentioned with the governorship than what they would have had in the U.S. Senate had they won in Georgia and the Dems still would have had the House and the White House. <clears throat> I hope this presentation, I, I went way long today, but I wanted to give over a complete thought rather than dividing into two different shows. This is our challenge. How do we organize at a state and county level? The nuts and bolts. I don't have all the answers to that. I need help. I need you guys. Let's organize together. Email me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at Conservative. Join our Facebook pages, Harwitz Citizen Sanctuary and Miniman Speak Easy. And hopefully we're going to get to better you know, better platforms. I'm hearing Parler is going to have a Facebook type of gathering feature, group feature. You know, maybe it's another platform we could use. We'll meet in person, have our own little rally at the beautiful gun ranges, gun compounds at Front Sight, Nevada, together with Patriot Academy, constitutioncoach.com. Again, check it out. You could check out, I have a little video there of me talking and shooting. Um, and, that, and that's another thing, self-defense training. Another idea I've, I've floated and I'm trying to float with Frontsight is to have sheriffs make posses and deputize us. And so I'm saying, hey, let's get training out at Frontsight because the county governments don't have the money to do the training. Do it out at Frontsight. And then basically we could have a group of people that are in with the sheriff's department and we have community relations, so rather than them being used for corona fascism, they're going to use us to help, you know, defend against Biden's anarchy and BLM and all that stuff. Again, I'm not saying there aren't bad things that have come out from these elections. I'm not saying there aren't problems. But if what has already happened this past year under full GOP control hasn't been a wake up call, then it doesn't matter anyway. We've had to we had to do this anyway. And what has occurred has provided us with a great opportunity. I'm not trying to be gleeful, like, yeah, they lost. Ha ha ha. I'm I'm trying to be constructive. And I think even people that passionately supported Leffler and Purdue should be able to appreciate this going forward. So again, I'm gonna need your prayers, I'm gonna need your help. I'm gonna need a staff to help organize this. Let's pull together our resources. Let's get this done. Let's make this the new dawn. 